Hello everybody and welcome to Nevermind the Buy Box. Just give us um, a like, a share, let us know if you can see and hear us okay. I know Jay's joined us on YouTube. Um, I'm joined with Johnny today. How are you doing, Johnny? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, back in England now. I think it's my first Nevermind the Buy Box while being back in England. Uh, of 2023. <laughs> yeah, of 2023. So, yeah, but I'm off again to, to Mexico City, as you know, on, on the 3rd of May. So not bad for long. So, uh, yeah, if, if, if anyone is in Mexico City in, in the month of May, then uh, please feel free to, to message me or, and we can grab a beer or talk Amazon. So that's a little invitation at the start. If you're around yeah. in Mexico City, give me a shout. I know there's a few sellers there already, so try and get, get, try and get something going. It's a sort of Amazon sort of hub, isn't it? Yeah, it is a hub of Amazon sales, isn't it? The um, yeah, definitely, definitely Mexico. A lot of like-minded individuals as well, isn't, it? isn't there in Mexico City? Yeah, so I mean, like Tom Parkinson, I think Gavin's there. Uh, I think there's a few others I've seen on Tom's videos of, of Amazon sellers. So it'd be cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So. I just put this up. What's that, yeah. Mister? You in Mexico? This this is not Mexico. Um, <laughs> this this is uh, this is Hertfordshire. Uh, Hertfordshire. <laughs> but it's a little yeah, it is a little bit sunny. But no, I, I'm off to uh, to Mexico City. Yeah, and on the third of uh, May, I'm going to go for probably like three months. Not not sure if in Mexico for the whole time, but I'm going to come back end of July to the UK. Um, then do a bit of Euro sort of traveling while it's nice in the summer. Um, but, you know, Mexico City and then maybe one of the islands or, or something like Caracal, maybe Colombia. I'm not sure yet. It's a little bit um, bit wild after Mexico. We'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't know yet. Oh, that's mad. No, that sounds uh, interesting travel plans. Uh, I have I have no travel plans at the moment, so I'm, I'm very boring. <laughs> my travel plans is like to the warehouse and back at the moment yeah you have a uh yeah you have a d nice dog though to, to yeah. look after so it's, <laughs> it's a bit different you can sort of take advantage of the the uk countryside and and all that and well for me you know i haven't got a residence i've got a home here so i'm just sort of my parents live in portugal so i just come back to their house and chill for a bit house house it and i'll come back but uh yeah, it's a it's an exciting life, exciting life. Um, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Wow. About yeah. um, how to leverage your business, get your business up there to to be able to to do these sort of trips. And if you get your spend to a high enough amount, then you know cash back will pay for the majority of that. So it's a nice business, and that's why we're all here, I guess, is to have nice holidays and uh, grow up Amazon business and get that spend up, keep the profit up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but mainly spend <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah so how's uh how's business on your on your front i know a lot of people the last few works weeks were saying about slow sales in, in april um you know you had a very good february and march or i had a terrible yeah. february and march i had a very good january where you had a bad january so are things picking up for you again you have, have you had a good april because we've had a pretty bad april <laughs> 
It seemed, yeah. it seemed, I don't know what other people, how many people found it, let us know in the comments. It seemed we started really strong. And then Easter was quite early this year. So Easter it was, was early, but Easter was the start of April. That came in and the sales just kind of fell. And that was expected because obviously it's Easter. People are thinking about holidays and not thinking about Amazons so much. But they haven't seemed to have really come back. We've had a few good days, but overall it's been quite slow. Uh, and I noticed there's a lot of discounting and price tanking on a lot of lines at the moment. It seems to be really that people are going really aggressive on the pricing, which I think is partly due to the slowdown at Easter. People get a bit scared, a bit panicky. They go, I've not sold much for the past two weeks. And then people get aggressive and then other people copy them. And then you end up with a bit of a race to the bottom at this time of year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, we realize we made a bit of a mistake. Well, I realized I made a bit of a mistake. Our repricer channel max. Um, so we have a 10K plan. Uh, and we had about 13,000 SKUs on there. Mm -hmm. uh, so found out about 3,000 for the last few weeks. We're just not repricing. So <laughs> had that error of like... A lot of SKUs. Maybe... That is a lot of SKUs. I thought I had a lot of SKUs at like six or 7,000, but 13,000 is a lot. Yeah, we deleted a bunch as well. Um, but yeah, I spoke to them yesterday and they they have a setting on Channel Max where, which is pretty cool, where um, they're only priced you based off your active SKUs, so they won't reprice your inactive ones. So I think yeah. active SKUs, it went down to about 7,000, 7,500. Um, yeah. Again, we have a lot of Merchant Fulfilled and um, a lot of stuff we just don't keep in stock as much because they're, they're rare to have. But uh, yeah, that, that's picked up our sales quite a lot today. So I think we're on, yeah, one o'clock. We're on three thousand today. So it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Um, yeah, I think an interesting thing I've been doing my business as well, and I know people can't do this as much, but um, I've been repricing based off a uh, our buy box percentage more now. So I've been incorporating more algorithms based off buy box percentage. Uh, maybe three four months ago, Amazon released the buy box percentage uh, where you can get it through the API. Uh, never had that before. So um, a lot of repricers probably haven't built that in yet where you can obviously reprice of your buy box percentage, um, which is really what one of the biggest factors that you should be repricing off, right? Because if your buy box percentage is null or zero or a very low number, then you're not winning the buy box enough. And then you're not... Um, you know, you're not selling enough of that skew. You're not priced competitively because someone else is winning that buy box. So uh, I've incorporated a bunch of algorithms into my business yesterday to get more aggressive if we haven't won the buy box and uh, change the pricing rules and maybe do some undercutting a little bit <laughs> if you haven't won it at all, right? Because if you haven't won the buy box and you've had that listing for, say, two months, right? So this is sort of talk about my rules I've, I've set up. So I've got this listing um, it's been two months in my warehouse, never won the buy box. Um, that product might have sold on another listing, by the way, but that particular SKU, I've never won the buy box. So what I'm going to do is what you go aggressive, right? You need to lower your mins. You're going to maybe potentially go aggressive undercut by one penny. Uh, well, you want to raise those prices, by the way. So if you've got undercut and then go up, um, with like sleep modes. So we'll be incorporating a lot of that. And, um, again, it's too early to tell, but you know, so far our sales have been pretty good this morning. So we've you know, we're looking at a record day in April. Of course, we've gone more aggressive, but again, we've had dead SKUs that weren't selling. So yeah. it's, 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 it's working quite well. Um, so someone just said, 
exactly this. Is this something you can configure in Channel Max? Unfortunately not. Um, again, uh, you can program uh, programmatically send in mins and maxes to to most repricing software. So if I were, if we were ever to build a repricing software, which you know something we have thought about, Matt, it's something yeah. we want to get right, but it's, it's something that maybe will come to B stock soon. Um, when it comes, because uh, I've always had a fascination about, but I don't think you can actually configure that in channel max because I'm not sure if buy box percentage is one of the settings, but there is a custom code option in channel max where you might be able to custom code it, but you'd have to look if they can actually pull in the buy box percentage now to their software. Uh, but it, it makes complete sense to me. And uh, I really made a, an, an effort to, to, for the last few days to, to, to incorporate that and see how it goes. So we can ask these few more questions, but we can yeah. eventually we'll get into what we're going to get into today. Um, but just go back to cadence. Oh yeah. Go on the two Jess's one. So yeah. Uh, what times are good to put replaces into sleep mode? Um, I don't know about you, but I have mine set from 11 PM to 6 AM. It doesn't go into sleep mode. I'm not sure what you remember sleep, but mine just increases the price to put us out of the buy box. Yeah. Doesn't actually like stop repricing. So what we do is, I, I believe we up our mins, so we increase our minimum repricer, and we increase our price a little bit by about nine point nine nine percent, I think. And we increase our maxes by that 9.99%. And we do it, I'm pretty sure we do that every two hours for mm -hmm. every two hours for about 15 to 30 minutes, something like that. So every two hours, we're increasing the price of that listing. Potentially, we're not when we're not winning the buy box. Um, you don't want to, I, when, it, when we're in the buy box, we try and keep that price as, as it is, because I don't want to lose that buy box. So I'm going to keep that price. But if you're not in the buy box, I would recommend increasing it every you know, two, three hours for 15 to 30 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, because it takes sometimes a repricer 15 minutes to change and actually yeah. to, um, so I think it's 15 minutes for the, for the API to actually change it all. Obviously a rep repricer can react within two minutes. To, to that price change, but then it's going to take another 10, 12, 13 minutes for Amazon to actually change that price on Amazon. So 15 minutes is quite short to sleep for that amount of time, to, I think, to get the full effect. So maybe maybe recommend 30 minutes every three hours when you're not winning the buy box to increase your price by... Uh, on FBA, we I think we do about 4 or 5% every two hours, and then at night, we do it 9.99%. So what I'm trying to do is increase the price by a little bit, right by like four or five percent because a lot of other prices have match fba so if you're the only other seller uh yes two fba sellers and you increase your price by 4.5 percent eventually you hope that they will match your price right if that makes sense yeah. so you increase by four or five percent and then the other fba sellers will, will match that potentially as well so small increments because if it's too far it might be out of their range um, if it's closer, it might the repricer might react to it better. So you have more probability doing small increments than increasing by twenty percent because that doesn't make sense. Increase a very small percentage. Um, yeah. I think I should elaborate for anyone who doesn't know um, for what what this is. So um, 
a lot of people don't realize one of the main benefits of a reprise though is not just to get you into the buy box but it's also to take you out of the buy box so how the buy box works is generally speaking amazon's algorithm will share the buy box with a number of sellers and if it, like there's five of you with a similar price point it will put it will give you a share of the buy box usually as long as you know you, you've, you've got comparable shipping methods and you've not got any account health issues the important thing to note though is that Amazon might allocate your share of the buy box between three in the morning and six a.m. Now that's no good for you because how many people are online in the UK between three and six a.m. buying stuff on Amazon? One or two, maybe very few people. So the benefit of a price of what it does is it actively pushes your prices up overnight to take you out of the buy box so that you're not wasting your buy box share overnight, and then it will be more aggressive in the daytime to keep you in 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 the buy box when people are actually buying. So that's, I think, one of the main thing, one of the main advantages of reprises that's often overlooked is is the taking you out of the buy box when you don't want to be in the buy box. So you think Amazon will will punish you for having too high of a buy box percentage? Does that make sense? I don't think that will punish you, but what the thing is, is you want your buy box percentage, if they're going to allocate you a percentage of the buy box, you want to make sure that your buy box percentage is at a time when customers are buying. You don't want your buy box percentage to be because let's say if you don't reprice your products, let's say everybody there's five people not using reprices, so they're all based at ten pounds, for example. Amazon will then share that buy box between the five people. Um, let's say every, every everything is equal, so they're all using FBA and account health is all equal. It will probably give everybody an equal share of the buy box. Obviously, of course, they give themselves more, but let's say there's, there's five third party sellers. What it what it will do is you don't want to make you want to make sure that your share of the buy box is not at a time customers aren't buying so yeah, you yeah. want you want to make sure that your buy box share is let's say not necessarily at the peak time but in a time when people are buying so you can then basically put your price up so you take yourself out of the buy box and then put yourself back in the buy box when customers are purchasing that's that's very good yep so you you want to raise your prices not potentially through peak times um yeah never raise everything is equal times, yeah and also Amazon likes big drops as well. That's one of the things the algorithm likes. So again, another strategy of doing this actually by lowering your price, increasing it significantly and lowering it significantly, it actually is going to give you statistically more chance of getting in the buy box because your price is seen as a big discount and Amazon likes discount. Yeah, I've noticed that. You, you drop the price a little bit. Sometimes I've noticed that when you drop the price to what they see as a competitive price. So for example, um, but that could also just be the customer, right? The customer thinking that price is lower. So I'm going to buy, buy that instead, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if that's all algorithmic based, but could be more customer based uh, opinions. As in, um, if the product is 10 pounds, you drop it to seven pounds, that's now perceived as a cheaper product. And then the rel sales rank will obviously get better. So that obviously comes into play uh, as well. Um, there's a lot of, uh, as, as a comment, as you said, there is a lot of um, intricacies necessary, but not easily done in current reprices Well, a lot of manual intervention, at least not in the ones I've used. So yeah, a lot of the reprices, it's hard to manipulate the mins and maxes, and that's where the majority of the repricing happens and, and they don't take into consideration your own data as much. Like I said, the buy box percentage and uh, sales ranks and um, 
you know, different things you might reprice based off whatever metric you can really think of, right? Um, yeah, yeah, of course, sales rank, buy box percentage, page views. It can yeah. really create your own sort of algorithm. Most of the time, you don't know what's going on behind their sort of closed doors on their algorithm. So I think unless you maybe pay for like seller snap, which is extremely expensive, you won't be able to get those sort of really custom, mm -hmm. custom reprices. So sometimes you've got to build your own. Um, but again, that's, that's again, my idea for a reprice. If I did, I, I know that, you know, we're building inventory management. So some sort of incorporation where you can incorporate sales rank, buy box percentages, page views, and create your own sort of custom algorithm to map, manipulate the mins and max is what I think a lot of people are looking for at a price point, which is, which isn't $800, $800 a month, which I think SellerSnap is, I, I believe SellerSnap's 800 no. And I know Ahmed paid something crazy for a reprise. Ad. I don't know if he's listening, but uh, if you know any reprises which are crazy money, then put in the comments. But I, I think it's a lot. Yeah. That's, that seems an awful lot of money. I think anything more than a hundred quid seems seems excessive. And I think I think as well when we when we looked into these, we broke them down. A lot of them were at the end of the day they did the same function. Now obviously they have certain rules and things but at the end of the day i i we couldn't see where 800 dollars a month our value was being achieved over a over a much more basic repricer at the end of the day they can only work as fast as the amazon api can reprice they can be intelligent in certain areas but they're never going to be able to be like you said the person said you know manual adjustments they're never going to be able to spot trends um you know things like that you spot spot when something's going to become obsolete or when it's expiring you know there's very less as a very very advanced system i can't see where that 800 dollars or pounds a month of value actually comes from in a repricer yeah so i i think as i mentioned it it's the, the custom settings so beyond to create a custom rule based off sales rank um buy box percentage and all these different metrics that you might think of uh so you can create a custom rule of that and the second thing is just having trust in their algorithm, if that makes sense. You have to put a lot of trust in these companies who are charging this amount that their algorithm is good. And a lot of it could be placebo, so it's quite hard to put your trust into a company that charges that amount. And on the other hand, they could just reprice it like that because they want to come across as the premium repricer. Uh, and that's also just a, a, a pricing tactic, right? Just to, to weird, reel people in because people want premium. They just put their price point as a, as a strategy because they it could just be a standard algorithm that, again, is very custom to a, to a seller. So um, I would never rec recommend paying that much money for uh, a repricer. It's, it's at the end of the day, if you're, if you're doing FBA, the main things are, how quickly can you match the FBA price? So how quick does your repricer react? So again, it should be using a queue service, uh, the notification, notifications API, and then there's no um, delay in their schedule. So they're, they're always pulling the latest prices continuously um, through the notifications API. So that's number one thing. That's the most important thing is it's a quick uh, repricer. So um, always ask your repricer service, are they using the SQS service and is it real-time repricing? Like if they're still using the seller API to do repricing, then that could be wrong. What Channel Max does is they get you to put your own 
So the reason Channel Max is a bit cheaper, they get you to put your own SQS uh, queue service uh, key key in to get the real-time repricing. So that's why they can be a little bit cheaper. And that's why I always recommend Channel Max. I think they're the, they're the best one for the price. Um, I know Seller Toolkit, apparently, according to Norm, said they're real-time as well. Uh, but that's, again, not to be a dick, but that's based off his his word. Um, I know Channel Max is, is tested, so I've done that. Um, so those are the most important things. But another thing as well to add on to SellerSnap's pricing point is it's an American software. And to be frank, everything in America is just ridiculously bloated yes. uh, in tech. So I would try and go British, uh, British software. I mean, Sellerboard's pretty good, but I think it could be European, actually, Sellerboard. Um, go for English, uh, you know, European software. Don't go for American software. I know if you're American and listening, um, I'm sorry, but, you know, everything yeah, in America is just is extremely expensive. So if you can get UK software at a cheaper price point that supports America, it's probably your best play. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of it marketing though, isn't it? I think a lot of these American companies spend so much on marketing that they have to charge this much money because it's they're everywhere and they're spending millions of dollars a year on adverts. Yeah, I mean, if you have six, if you're paying six figures for a sales and marketing team, um, you know, some I know, do you know how much firefighters get paid in California? No, have a have a guess. I wouldn't be guess it's quite a lot. So, hundred thousand a year. It says a bit more, two hundred fifty thousand a year. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 in San in San Diego. Sorry, this is in San Diego. Obviously, a very dangerous um, job and fair play to them. Um, I'm not taking anything against that. I'm just saying it's a lot of money. Someone's getting paid two hundred fifty thousand for potentially something that you don't have to go seven eight years of studying and ten years of experience to get to. Right? It's a lot of money. So. In California, where a lot of tech companies are and based, you're paying a lot for these sales reps and marketing teams and developers and all that. So the price point is paying for how ludicrous the salaries are in America. <laughs> Again, exactly, exactly, yeah. Don't yeah, go and salaries in the tech sector, sector are triple what they would be in the UK. More than that, five, almost five x probably. Wow. It's, it's it's insane. So yeah, just don't go American software. I, I, I don't want to. Sorry for Americans and listening. That I'm sure there are some really good um, price point software that they're at a good price point, but there are these ridiculous $800 a month just marketing machines. Um, that so don't fall for that. Uh, Channel Max really good. Channel Max is great. And what about PPP? I've never. Uh, I haven't used that for three, four years. Uh, obviously, there's a conflict of interest a little bit because Natalie built that. With with Matt, like, will help build build it, but she hasn't been in the company. She hasn't been in the company for for two three two three years. Um, so how's PPP uh, compared to Channel Max? Well, the biggest flaw of PPP, well, I don't use it. Only big seller won't use it, is because there's no API connection. So if you ever want to build a custom integration, um, you couldn't be able to do it. So the thing with PPP is it's a sort of like they sell a kit, right? So they want you to use Bybot Pro and then they want you to use PPP and it's all like a nice little integration and it's like a bit of a monopoly on there. You, you go for one. You're looking for like the Apple ecosystem, yeah. They're going for the Apple ecosystem, right? So if you want to create your own custom software or your custom kit, it's hard to, to integrate with them. So 
that's that's my problem i i know they use people use it i i haven't actually heard much from to be honest like i don't hear they're not on amazon or anything anymore i think they've moved on to chat gbt right like that's what they're sort of selling nowadays so then the main marketers for pbp are now moved on to the next um thing so chat gbt right so i don't know no, I, I I've not used it for many years either, so I couldn't. Um... I haven't heard anything either. I have you heard much? I'm not sure. No. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure. So I, I can't say. It's um, it's 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 a very good price point now. I believe so. It, yeah, it's worth it the price. Price point, especially when you factor it in with all the other software. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. Um. Cool. So yeah, again, I think STP. Uh, is is interesting um aside from channel max from that channel max is recommended yeah channel max is is cool it's um it's a very you can customize it a lot it's got a lot of settings it's, it feels quite raw, raw when you use it if that makes sense as in like it's not the best ui but it's like it's like eight eight to ten years old their ui so the user interface isn't the best in the world um but it's a very cool uh, software with a lot of customizations and again it's real-time repricing which is what you need so i think it's got it's got everything you need i know you use a different one um yes. which works we use, for you we use, we use one called logic sale um it's been around for many years um it's done us very well so we, we just kind of stuck with that um and the team know that so yeah that's what, that's what we use yeah um, it kind of it just pulls it doesn't have all the things that channel max does and the overnight repricing pulls all the information API stuff. So yeah, I I don't actually I don't actually do a lot of the repricing, so it's not something that I'm uh, I'm that into. I know you're much more analytical, and you're much more into that. I don't operate the repricing, but I um, well sometimes, but yeah. I I do more the algorithm behind it. So I'm 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 doing the programming. Because you know we have a complex system where we're doing minimal order quantities, merge from the field, seller for field prime, FBA, and every ASIN might have twenty different ASINs, so we have to build quite a custom setting. Um, you know, I, I like the metric. Uh, I talked about this before. It's called days left. So how many days left in your warehouse is it? So or how many days has that been sitting in your warehouse? And because I sell grocery, I need to go more aggressive at things don't sell um because otherwise they just go to clearance and then i i lose half the value right so for me it's very important with repricing to get more aggressive if the sell if the if it, the uh the, the listing gets too old because i don't want things to expire i want to turn around that stock very very quickly it's groceries um yeah so for me it's a bit different yeah yeah um so it's important to note, though, that I think with 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 any repricer, it's not hands off. You know, it's not forgive and forget. You just list it, and it'll do it all for you. There is a certain amount of tinkering and tweaking and adjusting things all the time. It's not quite as simple as just setting the repricer. I mean, it will work to a certain extent, but it's only going to work within a set range, and that set range might not be right. Yeah. Yeah, precisely, precisely. It's uh, it's an interesting one. It used to be more debated debated in the channels, but from what I see, I don't see it much anymore. To be honest, uh, yeah. don't know if your Facebook algorithm has changed, but I haven't really. It used to always be seller toolkit, 
PPP and it was just those two competing against each other. But I haven't heard much from either. Um, but I, I've heard really good things about SDK repricer, to be fair, to, to them. So, uh, And uh, if Norman says they're real-time, then that could be a good option to test as well. So um, who knows? Like, it's yeah, a channel yeah, match really good. We this episode about repricing, shouldn't we? <laughs> Uh, to be fair, we 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 went in and we we like to to talk about hot topics. And I think this is an interesting topic because I think everyone wants to know about repricing. You know, I've made a big change the last few days. If you didn't catch, I've, I've basically changed my buy box percentage algorithm. So if my I'm not winning, I've never won the buy box. I will go more aggressive, more repricing essentially. So that's what I've I've changed in my business. And so far, my sales are pretty incredible. Again. It's, it could be just a placebo, but we'd have to give more a few more weeks. Um, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just waiting for someone to bring a decent eBay one out. Uh, I know why it's never been done because there's too many variables, but I still would like somebody to build a decent eBay repricer. That'll be good. Well, you're not Even competing against anyone. In your current promises. The problem is, so there is a you can reprice with eBay, but there's no competition. No. Right, you're you're on your own listing. Like competition either. Mm. You know so, how do you, how do you come? You may have a comparable offer in the same. The product is the same, but you could be offering next day shipping and they're not. So that's not a comparable offer. So it shouldn't be yeah. sold at the same price. Yeah, but well, we I've essentially built a very basic repricer for Shopify. I'm sure you could probably do a very similar thing for eBay. Mm -hmm. um, but if People who know, I have my own grocery uh, online shop. Uh, if you've ever looked for groceries, I'm sure you found it because it's, it's getting a lot quite big now with the, the trust pilot reviews and sounds get, you know, we, we do bulk sell and stuff like that. But uh, a little secret is our special offers are usually the slow sellers in, in, our, in our warehouse, to be honest. Uh, it's something that we're not going to put a special offer for no reason. We put the special offer because it's been sitting there for too long and we want to shift it. So we reprice um, every month automatically on the first uh, to change our margins down from you know seventy five uh, sorry our markup down from seventy five percent on Shopify to you know fifteen twenty percent um, you know and we do that automatically based off an algorithm and reprice on the first and then you know we also put it into special offers automatically as well so you know we we've, it's easy I think it'd be okay on ebay to do a similar sort of thing based off your own metrics so if something is sitting in your ebay in your warehouse sorry and on ebay you have a margin of 20 percent, but it's been sitting there for yeah. the last six months not moving you might automatically reduce the price every you know every time it reaches an amount of days in the warehouse so for instance you know, a realistic one would be something like 60 days, no sales in your warehouse or 30 days, no sales in your warehouse. You'll drop the margin from 25% to 20% and you might just keep incrementing, uh, slowly uh, decreasing that on eBay. I think something like that would be quite easy to pull off using an eBay API, but I imagine if you're going to build a reprice or need a reprice for eBay, that would be the way approach I would take. I would do a usual Limworks variables or somehow build something using their API, Limworks API, and then eBay's API, you know, pull in the warehouse data of your products, and then somehow push the price to eBay if something hasn't sold very well. Um, a very basic one. So it's not 
I'll sign you up for that project then, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, th this is what we did. Um, this is what we did for FBM, right? And uh, competitors are probably listening right now, potentially. Um, Paul, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, with minimum order quantity, um, you don't usually have competition, right? So with, with if you have an MOQ of six, right, on Amazon, your price is a lot lower from everyone else. And, you know, 90% of the time, you're going to have no competitors in your range. So how do you actually reprice, like using a repricer, because right, most reprices are like match FBA, match lowest price, match lowest MFN, you know, beat by one pence, increase by one pence, lower by a percentage based off comp competition, right? So you then yeah. have to build a velocity, sales velocity repricer. Uh, actually, to be fair, some reprices do have that, but we've that's what we've built. The majority of our min and max manipulation is based off that, and it's it's really geared up to our business. So um, you know, when we have no competitors, we can reprice based of velocity so if you ever see me on a listing sometimes you'll see the the price graph go like down 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 because it's dropping by like a, like a penny every day or something just to try and get a price it'll get a sale and then it will probably like you will like yeah. stay still and then you know when the days drop so say i have a few days left in the warehouse you'll see it go up so another thing with a price of course reprice higher if you only have like so FBA, right? So with FBA, imagine another really good tip is imagine with FBA, you have stock that has a few days left FBA, but you have nothing on order. It's out of stock from supplier. You know, but you sell this in the next two days. That's it. You know, you you won't be you you won't be able to sell it anymore. So what do you do? You you want to increase that margin, right? And try and get more out of that by increasing that by five ten percent or whatever you can. But it all adds up. So you know, stuff like that is, is what's really key is, okay, every time FBA listings drop below seven days left, it's left at the FBA warehouse, let's, let's increase the price by 5%, you know, and let's, let's try and get a little bit more margin. And these are actually the sort of things that just at the end of the day, when you get to our sort of turnover, this sort of half a percentage point or a percentage point increase in margin. The difference. It's the difference. It really is, and it, it's that's our salary as a director. That one percent is, yeah. is probably ours, is our salary, like take home, that we'd be happy with. So it's a little yeah, things like that. Really yeah, like like I I renegotiated some card fees a few um, years ago, and we got them down by one percent. Now you think it's one percent? It's twenty grand profit on two million turnover. Twenty grand net profit increase by negotiating one percent difference, so it can really make a big difference in big volumes. Absolutely. And it's all, it's all little gains, isn't it? It's all little intricacies, like someone said, you know, slightly increasing your margin to hopefully get the competitors to slightly increase their price. And it's, it's all game free at the end of the day. You know, you're, you're, you're playing chess, uh, as some might say, you know, trying to you know, move your piece so someone will follow and then, you know, drop the price down to win the buy box percentage more. And it's always trying to get that right. And, um, you know, it's an edge if you get it right. If you get it, and I think sometimes custom algorithms are sometimes it's going to give you that edge but saying that you know we're talking like big turnovers and little percentages but it, again it's all it does add up um another question by ben so miss yeah miss this, but would you guys see any point in pricing strategy for fully private label products or just arbitrage products on the whole where you're competing against multiple sellers 
my take on that is I think that for a private label product, assuming your product is competitively priced against the market, it's going to be more about advertising than, than repricing. The pricing point is going to be about comparable offers, which a repricing is not going to be able to work out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's repricing, but on a much slower scale. Uh, like I said, with my Shopify store, which is essentially private label, because there's no, well, it's not essentially, but there's, there's no competitor. I will decrease my price depending on sales velocity. So mm -hmm. I would recommend potentially a sales velocity repricer. Uh, if you have a lot of private label products, it, it'd be worth implementing that just to save time. Uh, but if you only have a few private label, I'd probably just do it manual, manually. Um, yeah, of course, like Matt said, there's other things by potentially just increasing your PPP spend, right? Rather than lowering the price, you might want to increase the PPP spend and then um, potentially get more sales that way. Again, you know, it's not my it's not my market, but yeah, sales velocity sort of thing works. But I think you'll find that price point and then you, you'll know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it, yeah, that's it. And it's kind of, again, I think comparable offers is something that people really overlook. You know, it's you've got to see things as the customer sees them. Go find your offer incognito, see what is also coming up in a search, you know, see what Amazon's suggesting as customers may also like. If their offers are more competitive than yours, then you're potentially driving traffic to their listings because they're coming onto your listing through your PPC and seeing a, 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 a better offer and going to their listing to purchase. So what you could actually find is that if you're not competitive against the market, you're actually spending money on other people's promotion. Yeah. That's how, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know PPC is obviously the buy, you only pay if you're in a buy box. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's different. It's different. There's also external traffic as well for private label to, to Amazon and all, all that sort of thing. So what we so what are we actually going to talk about today? <laughs> Forty minutes of repricing, and then we're going to talk about Amazon. Yeah, well, that's some exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know, totally. Yeah, no, I like it. I think the um, the topic for today was actually about FBA, um, and kind of seeing what people have been finding and thinking about FBA. And there's been a lot of problems and challenges with FBA uh, in recent times, and I think it's fair to say. Um, and I think what my, my, my point today was is has the love affair with FBA gone? Obviously, people are still using FBA and it's not like it's not a viable service. But have people fallen out of love with it? You know, it, to me, it seems that in recent times, it's become very, very frustrating and very, very difficult to deal with to the point where I had a conversation with a management team yesterday where we were discussing, are we going to stop doing FBA? Because... Obviously, we wouldn't in Europe because we can't film you. But in the UK, the amount of problems and challenges that we're having, is it actually worth it, especially with the recent fee increases that have gone up in, was it April they went through, they implemented the recent fee increases? Yep. It's now not as competitive as it used to be. So is it really something that we are going to love, essentially, I guess? Yeah, I think, I think absolutely. I think it's it's still the most passive model of, of an Amazon business. It's it's something we should never uh, throw throw away. And I think for us, uh, and if you're having that conversation with your warehouse team uh, or your your management, um, at the end of the day, it's it's a space space thing, isn't it? So if you were mm -hmm. to 
how many units do you know if you have at FBA? I know you sell high value goods, but do you have any idea? Uh, no, I don't actually know. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of space. Yeah. So we have um, our, our warehouse has about when we get to about 25,000, 20 to 25,000 units. So this is units, by the way, not yeah. uh, Amazon SKUs. So this could be potentially with multiple uh, bundles and stuff, a lot less, but 20, about 25,000 individual products at our warehouse. And that's when it's sort of at its peak. And, you know, at Amazon, we have maybe 10,000 or more uh, ASINs, which could be, again, multi-packs, bundles, and all that. So, you know, we probably have 50, 50%, you know, 50% of FBA and 50% in our warehouse. So if we were to stop FBA, how would we, you know, scale that and reach that revenue uh, target? You know, like we've, we spoke this before, it's like you get to, when you have your own warehouse, you have a, a warehouse, uh, sorry, a revenue cap yeah. that you need to reach to actually make uh, money to, to cover your overheads and your fixed costs. So it's, it's a question of like, do you want a bigger warehouse? Like at the end of the day, I know you're up north, uh, it's cheaper and it's not an off joke. It's actually a, it's a compliment. <laughs> it's it's cheaper up north to get warehouse space. But yeah. is that worth the hassle of potentially having to copy and paste your operations, get another warehouse lead team leader, get more staff, more bills, when you could just send it into FBA, which is in my head, in my my thoughts, more scalable. Mm, yeah, this is the conversation we were having. So we've got, just a we've got about 50,000 pieces in um in fba at the moment so obviously that's going to be quite a lot of space mm. uh rents obviously considered the cheaper where i am than where you are so that that i don't think the storage space is potentially potentially an issue for us and actually it might justify the expenditure of having a bigger storage might justify having a bigger warehouse for a bigger team because another problem we're having is we're running out of space for people um we we have two sort of like you know, medium-sized units but we're running out of sort of working space to grow the team you know we've recently added a second floor office on and that's already full you know we, we, we think we need another potentially three people this year for the for the volume we're doing and um, there's nowhere for them to actually go realistically so we're having to move stuff out of the warehouse into another warehouse to therefore make make working space that was part of the conversation we, we were having but um my, my main thing i think is is the frustrations with solid support and i think it's becoming to a point now it was a joke at first it was almost a joke it was a oh you have to deal with amazon you have to deal with solid support but it's it's got so bad i genuinely think it's got so bad it's now becoming actually difficult to do business in an fba in some elements you know things that are should be simple we had a major issue at the start of the year with um transparency codes whereby Amazon marked uh, nearly a hundred grand's worth of inventory as defective because they didn't bother to open the case packs and see that there was transparency codes on the product. It took us weeks to get that resolved. That cost the business a lot of money. You know, we're having issues obviously where there's always lost inventory. I understand with an operation the size of Amazon, stuff's gonna get lost and broken, but it seems to be a real battle now to to get that sorted, you know, you shouldn't have to send 12 messages back and to sell support for them to just refund a, a 50 pound unit that, they, that they've lost. You know, I don't know what your experiences are and anyone in the comments, you know, let us know what, how you're finding this. Is it, this I think was where my, my kind of frustration came out of is 
it's become so difficult to deal with solar support that actually I'm considering pulling FBA. Yeah, so I'll start with solar support and then I'll get back to the to the FBA and I have another question for you on that. But on seller support, have you just tried sort of bypassing seller support and just going direct to, to the managing director uh, or, or seller performance? We, to be honest, when we get feedback removed now, we don't even click that button to appeal it. So mm-hmm. back in the day, you'd be able to automatically remove it. And that majority happens most of the time for FBA. Um, but when it's your own product or merchant fulfilled, you then have to appeal that case to seller support. So we've completely cut that step out now. We don't, <laughs> so we don't even appeal it anymore through seller support. We, if it's not automatically removed, the first thing we do will be send an email to managing direct director at amazon.co.uk, uh, and then put an FAO to the sort of seller performance team or whichever team you want to contact and then send a direct email to that to get the feedback removed or shipment reconciled or whatever you need or shipment reimbursements. It doesn't matter, but you you should go. And I, you know, I'm sure other sellers can start doing this more, but they need a better system because it's like you said, it's, it's useless being to sell support because they don't know anything like why is management the managing director for the actual more senior people have a completely different decisions to, you know, to sell support like, yeah. and they're not even listening or they don't have any sort of rules or rule sets they go by. They just sort of say no and send an automatic email saying no. So you know, seller feedback, 80% we get removed by emailing managing director. Cause they'd be like, yeah, that's a product review. We're going to remove that, you know, or, you know, the product was late because of X reason. We're going to remove that, but they won't, if I it's just go for that support, they won't go through any yeah. logic in their head. They will just say no and send you automated emails, automated emails. Imagine director, at least you get someone reading and a human replying. So that's the question to you. Are you, are you bypassing sales support? Why not just go direct to the source? Yeah, yeah. And... generally, generally speaking, we're not. We are, we are, we are dealing with sales support first. So obviously, if we don't get the response we need, we will always escalate it. But generally, we've been dealing with sales support first of all. Um, but again, that's this frustration because you know that they're not going to answer your question and they're going to send you back a, a link to a help page, which isn't even relevant to your issue. So maybe you're right. Maybe we just go straight to managing director. And yep. maybe maybe we advise other sellers to do that because hopefully if, if Amazon managing director can keep getting bombarded with emails about basic queries, maybe there's a conversation in Amazon that'll happen and go, clearly we're falling down on seller support because sellers are need feeling the need to contact the MD over basic issues. We need to sort this out. Maybe that's the only way for sellers to actually get seller support improved is by if everybody emailed everything to the MD team then maybe they'd actually look at it and go, why are we getting 10,000 emails a day? Clearly, the solar support system is not good enough. Yeah. So I'm just going to put this on. I thought you could only contact the MD address and limited number of times before they started to block or ignore you. We probably should preface this. This is based off anecdotal experience. There's no rule set saying you can only email managing director at amazon.co.uk 
a limited amount of time. There's no rule set that says you email this email too much, they will block or ignore you. Um, that probably comes from people emailing the same email about the same subject and expecting a different response. So yeah. yeah if you if you've got a I don't know, let's say you've got a suspension issue and you keep emailing the same email ten times, then yeah, they probably are gonna ignore you in the same as any other human being would if somebody kept spamming your inbox, you know, without yeah. even rephrasing it. And as for general different conversation, you know, there's no there's no reason why you can't email them multiple times. Yeah. So I think a, a fresh email uh, usually gets a response. I think if you, yeah, like you said, keep going back to the same reply of that email, they might ignore that or just delete it or, or block it or something like or archive it or something. But they might be just a one, one, one response done. But uh, again, um, there's nothing written down that says they have any rule set to ignore you. So why not leverage that? Uh, you know, I, I guess we can't recommend it. Like, you know, there's nothing to say that they will or that or they won't. It's working for me really, really well. I don't deal with sales support. I just don't want to deal with them. I go straight to managing director. I'll deal with them anymore. <laughs> yeah, if, if it's got negative effects on me, uh, I definitely let everyone know. But again, there's nothing that says that. So give it a try. I think it's managing director at amazon.co.uk. You can try to sell a I think seller performance one is for if you want to more for like yeah more for like issues rather than like inventory issues and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But they, they they basically need to they need to sort that out because <laughs> they just get an email. It doesn't make sense. Like the seller support team need clearer guidelines because yeah. they don't follow their own guidelines sometimes. And I have to say I don't actually have to say anything. By the way, I, I just copy and paste into ChatGPT. And then they will reply, but you know I didn't have to copy and paste their response into you know it's, it's, it's a lot of copying and pasting that I just don't want to do. Yeah. You know, that's why Auto GPT be so good. You know, yeah. Um, I I probably, to be fair, that's probably what Amazon's actually using. I I, I don't think frontline someone support is actually people. Could be some algorithm probably based off keywords, right? That they. Uh, or it's 100% based off an algorithm, based off keywords that you say. Um, and then they just automatically run it through some of their, you know, APIs and some of their, their, their code and scripts and then give you the result. I guess if it's, there's no answer or there's a, a, a problematic keyword, they just give the default rejection template. Um, and then, you know, that, that way they hopefully maybe it's worth it for them for people to go to managing director because they minimize a lot of the, you know, potentially they don't have to refund people because people don't know that, you know? Yeah. That's other, there's another question, you know, potentially do it on purpose because they'd be like, oh, you know, people won't know to go through to this email. They're just going to deal with that five quid loss because it could be a smaller seller and they're like, oh, whatever, five quid uh, or a bigger seller, you know, it could be like five quid, well, not be a bother with this. Oh, that's really annoying that happened. Lost five quid today. And then they just don't bother to even, you know, chase that up. So maybe that's their plan, but they need to change it for sure. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, we've, we've been guilty of not chasing as many refunds as we should. You know, if it's five pounds, we probably won't chase it. But why should we lose five pounds on an item because of Amazon's fault and then continually lose, you know, lose this money? You know, it adds up over the space of the year. So, yeah, we, I think we need to be 
potentially more aggressive and that that would be but <laughs> dealing with seller support is so difficult it's not worth dealing with five pounds sometimes is what we found yeah yeah i think i think sometimes it's good using these one of these refund companies unfortunately i can't recommend anyone because every single one i've had i've just not enjoyed the experience or they've ripped me off yeah. i'm not going to mention names actually but <laughs> uh, it'd be nice if there's like a uk refund agent if anyone knows actually of a because um, i have a re- i have a pretty good refund system down that i've built myself mm-hmm. but i would also like to check against that right so if anyone knows a UK refund like agency management sort of thing, not SDK, but like, like a one who does like a proper audit of your your of your account to check for refunds. So there's a few in America, like um I can't remember what they're called, but like Scott and Needham used to have one, like Valorance and they sold it to someone else. But if uh if anyone has recommendations of like someone who will audit your account and then look for refunds that is UK based, let me know. And if you can't let me know, then that's a business opportunity. Simple as that, by the way. That's how businesses come because I, I would ask this question. Someone like myself, I want to pay 20, 15 to 20% for a UK audit company that will check for all refunds. If there's nothing UK-based, I will start that business in a year. I don't have time right now. I could do with that. Yeah, we'll, maybe we'll start one in, in a year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if anyone has recommendations, then... Uh, Please let us know. All right, so let's go again. How do you keep track of things that go missing? That was another frustration of FBA for me. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's the um, ledger report. Yes. It's the ledger report, and then you can check against your own orders, and you check against the reimbursement reports, check against the refund reports. You also want to check about FBA customer returns, which is like 45 days or more. Um, that's the basics uh, yeah. without looking at the actual scripts. But again, you know, there's some good software. It's like, again, Seller Toolkit has a good reimbursement uh, toolkit. Sellable is not that good. SDK has got a pretty good one uh, from what I hear. They, they seem to be that sort of their main sort of focus. Uh, B-Stock at some point will have something. Uh, again, that's in the works. Uh, but again, that's not it's not available to people who are not in the hive. So, these wait yeah. for beast locked. Sell toolkit again, pretty cool kit. I, I know they're competitors, but you know I've heard they've got an okay basic sort of refund thing, which gets a lot. I know that the owner is very stubborn on that. <laughs> um, apart from that, I don't know. You use something as well, right? Yeah, so our logic sales got a, a similar one, but it's so there's certain things that these softwares do really well. So the customer reimbursement tracking um is usually pretty good and the, the lost inventory in Amazon warehouse, most softwares do very well. Those are pretty easy to track. There seems to be a bit of a black hole in most software though. For for example, I did an audit this morning based on someone's comment um in the group. Now, what I found was when you download your FBA customer returns report and you match that against your ledger report, it doesn't always match. So customers are returning products to the warehouse. They're having refunds, but this return product is not being credited to the account. And there's, I found 12 items that were returned to a, to a warehouse, but were not credited to my inventory ledger. 
So I've raised the case on that and I've been refunded for them. But that would have been a thousand pounds worth of stuff that had just disappeared off the face of the earth and no software I'd used had tracked that. I've kept account of that because to all intents and purposes, the, the refunded product was in Amazon, but it was only when you cross-referenced it against the ledger report and cross-referenced the days that there was discrepancies of pieces of inventory that had not been added back onto my unfulfillable inventory. Yeah. So it's this, there's, there's certain things. The software will probably pick up, I reckon, about 75% of the claim. So obviously by using software, you are much better off than you are not. But I think there still needs to be a manual element to it. Maybe it doesn't need to be a regular. You know, if you do learn how to do the reports yourself and cross-reference it, spend a day every month or maybe a couple of months because you can claim back to 18 months. Um, and again, it won't be it won't be masses of inventory. I don't think Amazon is genuinely doing this to to defraud customers or sellers. I think it's just Amazon is so big, and our sellers often sell a lot of inventory. We sell, yeah, we sell like three or four thousand pieces a month, so twelve and three thousand a month. And this was a, this was in the space of a year. So yes, it isn't a lot of inventory in terms of numbers, but it was quite a lot of value for me. It's a thousand pound profit I've just made um, by by picking up on the, on these issues. Also, a thousand pound loss that I've avoided. However, you want to look at it. So there's a certain element to, to the manual nature. And I think having either your VA do it or you do it yourself every now and again, just look through your reports, audit your reports and make sure that everything that's, that's said it's been returned has either been returned or has been refunded. Yeah, no, precisely. So yeah, there is a tool, by the way, that's just is really good just to go from, uh, on from this. It's called the... Um, it's a, it's a bulk tool where you enter the transaction IDs and you can enter up to 25 transaction IDs at a time. It's look up reimbursement status of fulfillment center, damaged issue. It's a seller central tool, but we basically pick up the transaction IDs that need looking at. Uh, we automate that every Thursday and it, we put that in like 25 transaction IDs there. So that's a really nice tool. Um, Matt, we're getting close to an hour. So I know we've done 40 minutes for a price, but I think that's been good. I'm kind of finding us. So, do you have any plans? If you did quit FPA, how would you still maintain that Prime badge, which that beautiful? We have to fill Prime. There's no other way. We couldn't. We couldn't drop the Prime. Uh, again, one of the another thing that's particularly prevalent in my business, it might not be so prevalent in yours, is the amount of customer returns we're getting at the moment seems to have significantly increased. Now, part of this is no doubt due to cost of living crisis people returning Christmas presents and stuff. But when you do merchant filled, you've got a bit more leniency to say no, whereas Amazon will just accept every return because it's your money. And also because we sell technology products, I think there's a lot of support options that we could provide customers that are being missed because Amazon's default policy is just give them a refund because that's all the seller support can do. If there's a problem with a product, all they can do is give the customer a refund. You know, something's missing. You know, we could we could fix that problem ourselves much more cheaply and cost effectively. Um, so that was part of, part of the decision making process as well. But the only way we were able to do it would be to to scale our business and um, do a lot more. You know, obviously do solar fulfilled prime. But one of the advantages of this would be turnaround time. You know, I know Amazon's pretty good at receiving them, but we noticed a lot of inventory is going into transfers for quite a long time. And so we could potentially avoid a lot of that and get a lot more stuff out the door a lot more quickly. Yeah, so the Phil Prime is, is, a, is a golden nugget if you can get that working. Yeah, it could be a good 
opportunity for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give it a try. Right. So I think we have one last question, then we're going to call it. Um, I've noticed lately that Amazon will issue refund for items that were shipped over 30 days ago. That will issue a refund for items that were shipped over 30 days ago. Is this something, can you please explain how the return policy works? It depends on the category. Grocery, grocery you can't return. So that's why grocery is always a good beginner one, I'd say. Uh, I know of electronics and stuff, there's usually a warranty, right? Two years. Like, two years. Again, this is another thing. Uh, Amazon FBA warranty for two years, even though standard manufacturers one year. So it's a bit of a gray area with technology and returns because the law stipulates it should be warranted for a reasonable time. And what is reasonable isn't open to interpretation. So, yeah, it's a bit bit, bit of a gray area. But, yeah, it can be up to two years in electronics. Yeah. So what, what might happen is it's 30 days is the actual official one. But you might have a buyer who spoke to a customer service representative on live chat on Amazon said oh this was faulty or didn't arrive or xxx happened uh you know uh, and they could have like charmed them into giving a refund anyway even though it's past 30 days because again customer first and if it yeah. seems like a valid reason or they hit that keyword that they're looking for uh no i mean it's, i think it's a life it's a human actually it's not it's not chat gpt talking back but they will usually refund you they're very good for the customer for that so that could potentially why it doesn't happen too much um, it's one of those things again, you gotta track your re- refund percentage. That's a big, big factor. You know, we always, when I mean, grocery is always one to two percent, it's never changed in four or five years, so always at zero to two percent, pretty much. So, again, uh, you gotta work it into your margins, right, Matt? Work yeah, it into your I mean, margins. our refund percentage is not as it can be as high as 10 percent, yeah, but your margins are very good, so. We have good margins to compensate for that, and also, um, of the of that nine eight to nine percent is resold anyway. Uh, usually, sometimes and most of the time, the profit. You know, even 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 as a um, a reuse like new items. So, a lot of that is 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 um, is resold anyway. So, yeah, but the thirty days also just to clarify, the thirty days the customer can return something on Amazon. It's thirty days from when they receive it, not from when it's shipped. Mm-hmm. So, if a customer orders it to like a locker and doesn't pick it up for two weeks that 30 days only only starts when they actually get the goods. So it's not when you ship it, just, just to clarify that little point. Um, yeah, and then, and that's only that's only for, for unwanted items. And like I say, Amazon's probably going to waive that most of the time anyway. Um, you know, if the customer if the customer's like 35 days and they want to return it, Amazon will probably just say yes and allow the customer to, to return that item. Yep. Yep, precisely. All right. Well, that's it. That's the hour. I hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, please subscribe. Tune in next week. Matt. Uh, yeah. That was yeah, a good was one. Good. Enjoyed that. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, Natalie's uh, got a really good one next week. Is it next week or is it week after? Next yeah. week, isn't it? Yeah, some, some tech AI, AI stuff yeah, coming. Yeah, we're talking about AI. So that is one you do not want to miss. That's going to be a, a really, really good one. So. Uh, yeah, uh, as always, me and Johnny are in the group. Please uh, like, comment, ask any questions, uh, and we'll see you all next week. Yep. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.